This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Parsha Shmini. The uh, end of the Parsha talks about the simonim of kosher animals, behemoths, chayos, oifos, and dogim and fish. And the Torah tells us in Parkir Aleph, Pasuk Tess, You can eat the following from what's in the water. Koil asherloi snapir v'kaskesas. Anything that has snapir, our fins, v'kaskesas, our scales. Our scales. Now how do you remember which one is which? Very easy. The word snapir is basically fins backwards, you know. Samach nun is fins backwards. Kaskesas is scales backwards. But uh, that's how I remember. Okay, so koil asherloi snapir v'kaskesas. Anything that has fins or scales, v'amayim, v'yamim, in the seas, or the streams, that's what you could eat. <clears throat> then Pasuk Yud seems to repeat the exact same thing. Pasuk Yud says, Something that does not have fins and scales, in the seas of Anachalim, or the streams, from anything that swarms in the water, or any living creature in the water, it should be detestable to you. Now the first thing we have to look into is why does the Torah repeat the exact same thing twice? The Torah in Pasuk Tess told us that the simanim, the signs of a kosher fish, are fins and scales. So why is it necessary for the Torah to reiterate itself again in Pasuk Yud and say, if it doesn't have fins and scales, it's not kosher. That's, we said that in Pasuk Tess. And why is it in Pasuk Yud it adds, not just kol but it spells out, Sheretz Hamayim, anything that swarms in the water, and it spells out, Nefesh Achaya, any living thing. Okay, this is something we, we're gonna try to look into. Okay. There's a Mishnah in Nida that basically goes out on a limb, goes out on the line, and puts its neck out, and gives us the following general principle. Even though, according to the Torah, for a fish to be kosher, it has to have fins and scales. So presumably, a fish possibly could have both fins and scales. It could possibly have neither. It could have fins but not scales, or it could have scales but not fins. Says the Mishnah Mesech Danida, it's also quoted in the Gemara Nechul. Any fish that has scales has fins. Again, nobody asked the Mishnah to give us this piece of information. The Mishnah is really sticking its neck out. Because... If it's giving us a rule that any fish that has scales automatically has fins, if we were to discover a fish that has scales but does not have fins, so we really destroyed the credibility of the Mishnah, right? The Mishnah is giving us a general rule. Any fish that has scales automatically has fins, you know? So you go to the fish store, you come home with the fish that has scales and doesn't have fins, you've destroyed the credibility of the Torah Shabbat the oral law. And yet the Mishnah is not afraid the Mishnah has no fears. The Mishnah states, again, in the time of the Mishnayis, there are probably thousands of species of fish that had not been discovered. And yet the Mishnah is able to make the statement, any fish that has scales will have fins. Okay, however, the Mishnah continues, It is possible for a fish to have fins, but no scales. So again, if the fish has scales, could you eat the fish? Yeah, you can eat the fish. Do you even have to check if it has fins? You don't even have to check. Because the Mishnah told us a rule. If a fish has scales, it will automatically have fins. You don't see it. 
you don't know where they are, it doesn't matter. It's automatic, it's a rule. Any fish that has scales. But it's possible for it to have fins but no scales. Okay. What's the obvious question on this Mishnah? The obvious question is, the Maran Chulun asks, that if it's an automatic rule, that any fish that has scales automatically has fins, why would it be necessary for the Torah to tell us that, you know what kind of fish you're allowed to eat? A fish that has scales and fins. Why, why, why is there a need to say anything about fins? If it's an automatic rule that any fish that has scales automatically has fins, so let the Torah just say, any fish that has scales, you could eat it. It's not necessary for the Torah to say, any fish that has scales and fins you could eat, because there's a rule. Any fish that has scales will, will automatically have fins. So that's the question of the Gemara in Mesech Danida. It's also uh, the question of the Gemara in Mesech Dachulim. We, we left out the word Velichta over here. Look at number three. The Gemara asks, Let the Torah just write... Just write scales, and there's no need to write fins, right? There's a, there's a rule, there's a principle. Any fish, you buy the fish, you check if they're scales, and if they're scales, you know they're fins, so what's the need? There's no need for the Torah to add a simon. How should the person be? Any fish that has no, no, scales is kosher. How, how would, how, if Rabbi... Kol asher loi kaskeses bamayim oisam techelu. Any fish that has scales, you could eat. Well, what do you mean? But Hashem wants it to have fins also. Yeah, it will have fins. Because any fish that has scale will automatically have fins. Answers the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yavo, V'chein Tanadvei Rabbi Shmael, Yagdil, Torah, V'yadir. Let the Torah be great and glorious. The answer of the Gemara is completely inexplicable. What does the Gemara mean? What do you mean, let the Torah be great and glorious? We have a kasha. We know there's not one extra word in the Torah. Every word in the Torah is accounted for. So if every word in the Torah is accounted for, why is it necessary for the Torah to write that for a fish to be kosher, it has to have fins? There's a rule. Any fish that has scales will automatically have fins. What do you mean, Yagdil Torah v'yadir? Let the Torah be made great. I mean, there are hundreds of Gemaras that ask, what do we need this Pasuk for? What do we need that Pasuk for? Well, this Pasuk is extra, that Pasuk is extra. So why don't we answer those questions? Ah, Yagdil Torah let's make the Torah bigger, you know. If the stone Chumash would only have 3,000 pages, you know, it wouldn't be big enough. We want it to have 3,001. And by the way, the answer of Yagdil Torah is not found anywhere in the entire Shas. Nowhere in the entire Shas does the Gemara ever ask a question, Lamali what do we need this Pasuk for? Ah, oh, you know what the answer is? We wanted to make the Torah a little bit bigger. That's not an answer you'll find anywhere in Shas. And yet, when it comes to the simanim of kosher fish, where we have a rule that anything that has scales automatically has fins, the, the Gemara asks, why say anything about fins? What's the answer? Yagdil Torah v'yadir, let's make the Torah bigger, more glorious. I mean, what kind of glory is it to the Torah to have extra words? What's the Gemara's answer? What does the Gemara mean? Okay, so that's, that's the question we would like to investigate. Okay. Rabbi said, what would we do if somebody walked into the shul tonight, he went fishing, he brought into the, the shul a fish that had scales, but no fins. What would we do? It's kosher. It's kosher. 
It's, yeah, it's kosher. The only problem is the Mishnah told us there's no such thing. But the Mishnah said any fish that has scales would automatically have fins. How would we deal with such a problem? Again, right? The Mishnah is telling us a scientific fact. And the fact is any fish that has scales has fins. Mm-hmm. How would we deal? Let's say somebody walked in. He brought us a fish that had scales and didn't have fins, right? How do we deal with that? Would we say, maybe, did the Mishnah make a mistake? Or maybe, how do we deal with such an issue? Well, let's no, see. Actually, he couldn't find skins, what? He couldn't find them. No, okay, now, scales, you could say, you know, maybe they fell off. <laughs> but fins are like feet, right? Fins are like legs. Fins are, ain't falling off, right? So what would happen? So you'd say, what do you mean what would happen? The Mishnah is telling us this cannot happen. This will never happen. And yet, we find the Madane Yomtev. The Madane Yomtev is the commentary of the Toysus Yomtev on the Rosh in the Sechta Chulen. By the way, the Toysus Yomtev was born in 1579 in many shuls on, Sha- on uh, Shabbos Mavarchem. Right before the Mavarch Rosh Chodesh, they recite a tefillah from the Toysus Yomtev that Hashem should bless the Toysus Yomtev felt that the tragedies that were occurring during his time, terrible pogroms, he attributed it to the sin of talking by davening. And because of that, he composed a special tefillah to be recited. And it's recited in many shuls on Shalos Mavarchem. This is written by the Toysus Yomtev. And of course, the Toysus Yomtev wrote the classic commentary on the Mishnah. And the Toysus Yomtev writes that there was a period of time he was the Avbezdin and the Ram in Vina. And a man walked into his office by the name of Rabbi Aaron Haroife. A doctor came into his office and he presents him with a fish. And the name of the fish is, you can take a look in number five on the third line, Satinkos Marinos. That was the, uh, the nomenclature perhaps of the fish. Satinkos Marinos, that's the nice way of pronouncing it, right? And this fish, well, its natural habitat was the Yam Hasfardi, the Mediterranean near Spain. And this fish was a poisonous fish. It was an inedible fish. You cannot eat this fish. You eat the fish, you drop dead. And pharmacists were able to extract the poison of the fish and use some of the parts of the fish for uh, medicinal purposes. And he presents the fish to the Tysus Yamtif. And lo and behold, the Satinkos Marinos has scales, but no fins. So how do we deal with this? So this brings us, let's, let's uh, digress momentarily and discuss the following issue. Okay? A couple of years ago, there was a big controversy. If the Gemara gives us scientific information, and yet, let's say about the orbit of the moon, or the size of the sun, or the size of the earth, or scientific information about biology, chemistry, astronomy. And based on the scientific information of our times, we see that the Gemara does not seem to be giving us accurate information. How do you deal with that? So, do we say, just like any halacha, the Gemara tells us, is obviously we have a tradition dating back from Har Sinai. This is not... Ravina, Ravashi, Rishlakish, Rabbi telling us halacha. This is something that, the, a tradition they received all the way back from Harsinai. This is coming from Hashem Himself, and that is our belief. Any halacha, any Torah in the Gemara, 
we are, every Jew is obligated to believe that this is our oral tradition dating back from Hasina. Are we likewise required to believe that the scientific information given over in the Gemara, for instance, in the Gemara Sanhedrin, it talks about when the soul enters the uh, embryo, when the gender of an embryo is determined, what is considered life-threatening? Are we obligated to accept scientific information that this is something that God gave over to Moshe Rabbeinu and it was passed down generation to generation? Or perhaps, just because the Gemara gives us Torah information and that we believe and accept, perhaps the scientific information that the Gemara tells us was merely based on the scientific information that was known at the time. Maybe it was based on... uh, the Greek scholars or the Roman scholars, and this was the prevailing scientific information, and now perhaps that we have updated information, we could say, the Gemara never meant to teach us this, that we have to believe it, Be'emunah. This was the best knowledge they had available at the time. And now that we have more, more researched information, so we'll accept the information of our time. This is a very major issue, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the fish. And that is because... The rule of the, the Mishnah Nida is not a scientific rule, it's a halachic rule. The Mishnah Nida is telling you, if you see a fish with scales, you can eat it. Because it will definitely have fins. So, this is a scientific piece of information which the Mishnah is saying you can rely on the halacha. Which means, this is definitely something that the Tanoim have a tradition from Harsinai. But the question is in general... It's important to know there are many Gemaras and Shas that provide us with scientific information. What is the source of that scientific information? Okay, this was a very big controversy in the last couple of years. And it's worthwhile to examine some of the sources and what our attitude should be. Yes? Are you saying, I'm, I'm are you saying that the dispute is that <coughs> what was said then applies then, but since the Teva changed, maybe... No, so I'm not saying that. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe the scientific information of the times was based on the prevailing research and knowledge of those times. It wasn't necessarily a tradition they had from Harsinai. The Gemara is giving you the best information that they had at that time. But now that we have perhaps more research or better ways of discovering uh, scientific no, knowledge... It's, it's the Gemara is the best the Gemara. No, but, but perhaps... You're right. When it comes to Hawacha, it's the best because we have a tradition from Harsinai. But maybe when it comes to the scientific information, the sources of the Amaran perhaps were from the so scientific experts of so their time. One side says. Let's see. Let's examine it. Okay. But, 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 but Let's see. Mishana, Mishana I didn't say anything about Mishana Not a of Rabbi Avram ben Arambam, the Rambam's son, in his uh, introduction, it's brought down in the Ain Yaakov. The son of the Rambam writes the following. Okay? And again, this is the first opinion. The son of the Rambam writes, he says, Based on what I wrote earlier, look at number six. We are not obligated, based on the superior capabilities of the sages of the Talmud, to accept that just because we're required to believe everything they tell us in areas of Torah, we are not necessarily likewise obligated to accept what they say in matters of refuah, in matters of teva, in matters of medicine. Just because we have to believe that when they tell us a halacha about what we're allowed to eat, what we're not allowed to eat, what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do, what we're allowed to look at, what we're not allowed to look at, that is certainly misinai. But if they tell us what is considered mortal danger, what is considered 
medical knowledge, we're not required to believe that, says Rabbi Avram, the son of the Ramam. Their information regarding science was not necessarily based on a Torah tradition. It was based on the prevailing knowledge of the time. This is the opinion of Rabbi Avram ben Arambam, certainly a very, a very uh, strong force to reckon with. Oh, what year was he? Remember the Rambam? He's one of the Rishonim, right? Okay. But excuse me. Yeah. And we accept some word from them and some of them not? Obviously not. Look, how to believe them all the way? Or you should... No, again, when it comes... Again, we're not talking about matters of halacha. Matters of halacha, anything in the Gemara, we accept the Amun And if we question even one ice, one letter of any halacha found in the Gemara, one has a status of an apikoras. Okay, but we're specifically talking about, let's say the Gemara says, the gender is determined at a certain date. And based on scientific research, we see either yes or no, maybe it's, it's determined on a different date. Are we required to say, scientists, they have it wrong, we accept the words of the Gemara, or no? Maybe the Gemara is not imposing scientific information as part of the oral tradition. It's merely giving us the best available information. The opinion, we're just saying the opinion of Rabbi Avram ben Arambam is... Scientific information of the Gemara was based on the prevailing knowledge of the time. By the way, it's brought down in the Oitzar HaPoiskim. This is the opinion of Rav Shrira Gain. Rav Shrira Gain also holds this one. This is also the opinion of Rav Shamshin of Falharsh. Okay? All great Gevara Yisrael. However, however, there is a large slew of Rishonim that vehemently disagrees with this approach. One of, one of those is the Rivash. The Rivash says... If the Gemara tells you one thing, you can have all the scientists in the world telling you the opposite. You have to accept the words of the Gemara. It doesn't matter what it, whether it's regarding halacha or whether it's regarding science. Now, we may not necessarily understand what the Gemara means to convey to us. It may be being conveyed in a, in a cloak of uh, secrecy, or and maybe it's only being conveyed to... Uh, those who are able to crack the code of the Gemara, but nevertheless, even when it comes to scientific information, says the Rivash, we'll take a look at number seven. We will rely on our Chachamim. If, even if they say that the East is the West, and the West is the East, and we look with our instruments and we see not like that, doesn't matter. Shehem Kiblu Ha'emes Uperushe Ha'mitzvah Ishmi Piyish Ad Whatever they tell us is a tradition dating back to Moshe. Look what he says. We don't trust the Greek scholars. Their knowledge is based on reason. Logic. They conducted certain experiments. Okay, experiments are reliable. But they don't necessarily determine maybe there's a certain variable in the experiment that brought about a certain result. And, in other words, in other words, what, what, what the Rivash is saying is that, well, while logic is certainly something that is reasonable to follow, not when you know the truth is otherwise. And if the Gemara tells us certain scientific information, that is the absolute truth, and no experiment and no, no type of study, it may present us with a question how to understand the Gemara, but at the end of the day, the Rivash seems to be saying, we follow the, uh, the traditions given us in the Gemara, even regarding scientific information. This is Rav Shamsun Falhurst too? No, no. no, no this, is the, this is the opinion of the Rivash. Now, how do we paskin? So you say, what do you mean paskin? This is not a halachic uh, machlokas. 
you know, it's one thing you want to know, how should you like the Ner Chanukah? So you look in the Shulchan Aruch, you know, Machlekes Beishamei Beishelo, we pass in one, and then two, and then three. But this is a Hashtafik Machlekes, right? This is a question about Jewish thought. How do we view information, scientific information in the Gemara? Okay, so it's a Machlekes. Rabbi Avram ben Aramam says, the scientific information was based on prevailing knowledge. Others disagree. What is considered the mainstream view? Okay, and who are we to determine and say what the mainstream view is? So it's very interesting. One of the, uh, there's a doctor in Eretz Yisrael who wrote a sefer called Nishmas Avram. Nishmas Avram, actually Artscroll translated it, I think in maybe three or five volumes. And uh, he has, uh, he was in constant correspondence with Rav Shalma Zaman Orbach. Now, if you look in the Gemara, especially in Masech it talks about Different illnesses, there are different ways of curing it with different herbs and different, uh, different plants have different medicinal properties. And basically, we have a cherem kadmonim. There's a cherem, the Maril writes, we have a cherem, we do not rely on any of the medical advice in the Gemara. For certain reasons. But says the Nishas Avram, there are other reasons why we don't have to follow the medical advice. And that is, because we have the opinion of Rabbi Avram ben Arambam and Rav Shri Ragain, that scientific information in the Gemara was not Torah Misinai, is not an oral tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu. Scientific information in the Gemara was based on the prevailing attitudes. So this is another reason why we don't necessarily follow the medicinal advice in the Gemara. So he asked Rav Shomaz Orbach for a Haskama, for his Sefer. So Rav Shomaz Orbach says... Many of the reasons that you brought down are valid reasons why we don't follow medical advice in the Gemara. You're right. There is a cherem kadmonim. You're right. We don't necessarily understand what herbs the Gemara is referring to. But when you say that there's an opinion of Rabbi Avram ben Arambam and Rabbi Shri Ragain, that the scientific information in the Gemara is not something that we have a tradition from our Sinai, you cannot write this opinion as a mainstream opinion. This opinion is what we call a yesh oimrim, says Rav Shlomo Arbach. It needs to be relegated to yesh oimrim. Now, what, is it, what does yesh oimrim mean? Sometimes you look in the Shulchan Arach, it brings down a halachic opinion, and then it says, yesh oimrim, there are those who say this and this and this. So what do we do if the Shulchan Arach says, yesh oimrim to do this halacha? We don't follow it. Why don't we follow it? Because a yesh oimrim is merely a minority view. It's not the mainstream view. Says Rav Shlomo Arbach. We are not one to argue with Rabbi Vram ben Arambam. Certainly no one is alive today to say that Rabbi Vram ben Arambam is incorrect. We're not capable of arguing with Rabbi Shri Ragain. Nevertheless, Rabbi Shom Zaman Orbach writes that this view, although it's authentic, right? We can't say it's not an authentic view. Certainly an authentic view. Nevertheless, it's not considered a mainstream view. And so perhaps that would mean, you know, in a yeshiva, which, what should they teach Talmidim and Yeshiva? They should teach them that even the scientific information that is found in the Gemara, we have a tradition from Harsinai. Now, those who are more mature, should they think this is the only view? No, no. There's, there are authentic views, but the, uh, these views are relegated to the uh, position of Yeshan. That's the opinion of Rav Shalma Zaman Arbach. Okay? Um, I also saw quoted... There's a very interesting sefer called Leshem Shavai Achlama. Now, who's the lad? Written by the Baal HaLeshem. Who's the Baal HaLeshem? Rabbi Yashiv, right? He should, uh, he should be well. He should have Rafur Shalema. His Zayda was Rav Shlema El Yashiv. Rav Shlema El Yashiv is considered the last great master of Kabbalah. 
By the way, when he was uh, recording, Leshem is after the name of a sefer. Leshem Shavai Achlama. He is considered the last one who had the authentic tradition of Kabbalah from the Vilna Gaon. <coughs> By the way, when Rav Yashiv was a young man, below twenty, the Baal HaLeshem would say over to Rav Yashiv his sefer, and Rav Yashiv recorded it. Okay, he writes the following. He writes. By the way, the Leshem is considered the Rebbe of the Chafetz Chaim in Kabbalah. Okay. In any event, look at number nine. He, you know, he has what to say about this issue. And he says like this. The main thing, anyone who considers themselves a Jew is required Lahaman to believe. complete faith. Anything found in the Gemara. The halachos. Whether it's halacha. Ve'agados, or Agada Tabashas, Umidrashim. Heim Kulam, Divre, Elohim Chaim. These are all the words of the living God. Kikoma, Shamru, because anything in Amora said, Beruach Hashem, Ashadiber Bam. Was not just, he, you know, yeah, he thought he woke up in the morning and this seemed reasonable to him. This is something that he's saying with divine inspiration. Umisait Hashem Lireyav. This is a, these are secrets that God transmits to those who fear Him. Just like the Gemara in Sanhedrin, where Rabbi, Rabbi Nachman makes a certain statement that has nothing to do with Gemara, with Gemara or Halacha. And the Gemara asks, where did Rabbi Nachman get this from? And the Gemara said, This is something that God conveys to those who fear Him. So says the Baal HaLashem, it is the obligation of a believing Jew, not like Rabbi Avram ben Arambam, and not like Rabbi Shira Gain, and I've seen that perhaps the reason once the uh, Kabbalah became revealed to the world, the Zayar and the, and the Kisvei Arizal became revealed to the world, so it became more understandable how even other aspects of the Gemara that are scientific may not have been necessarily said based on the prevailing attitudes of the times, but based on this this hidden knowledge, we're able to derive all the secrets of the universe. Okay, so this is uh, somewhat of a tangential point. Okay, about scientific information. Again, it's not something that is uh, unanimously agreed upon, but certainly the G'daylam of our time, they feel that there's a certain mainstream view. Okay. Back to the Satinkos uh, Marinos. Okay, so... The, uh, the Toysus Yamtif is sitting in his office, and Rabbi Avram Harofe brings in the Satinkos Marinos. It has scales, but no fins. And the Toysus Yamtif is, he's a, you know, he doesn't know what to do with himself. Because here's the problem. The problem is like this. If you're gonna say, that you know what, the Torah, the Mishnah says, anything that has scales automatically has fins. And even though we don't see the fins on this Satinkos Marinos, they must have fallen off or something, or we just don't know where they are. That's not acceptable to the Taisus You know why? Because the Satinkos Marinos is a poisonous fish. Are you telling me that the Torah would allow, and is giving us license to eat it? What? The Torah would allow us to eat a poisonous fish? We know the Gemara says in Masech the Sukkah that a certain type of plant is puzzle to be taken as a lulav because it has thorns in it. And God would never allow us to, in, to put ourselves in a situation of harm. So, so therefore we know a, a kaftar, a kafri, excuse me, cannot be taken for a lulav because you're going you're gonna to sting yourself on the thorns. So certainly, to say that, that the satinkos marinkos, the fence fell off, and really God is going to allow us to eat it, nah, why would God... 
put us in a situation where somebody might eat a poisonous fish. And if you're going to say, well, you know, we're not allowed to eat it because it really doesn't have fins, so this contradicts the rule of the Mishnah that any fish that has scales automatically has fins. So the Tosis Yantav says, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. Maybe you have to say that, you know, it's a hybrid. This, this, this animal is some kind of cross that did not exist in the time of the Mishnah. In the times of the Mishnah, any fish that had scales automatically had fins. But this animal, you know, it, you know, they took, uh, I don't know what, they took a fish and an alligator and they made us, I think, us marinkos, whatever it's called, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the answer that the uh, Tosis Yamtiv says. But then he says, no, I feel there's a better answer. <clears throat> and that is if we examine carefully the difference between Pasuk Tes and Pasuk Yod. Take a look at number one. Again, remember, the Torah gave us, the Torah seemed to reiterate the simanim of kosher fish in Pasuk Tes, and then again in Pasuk Yod, with, <coughs> with the notable difference, and in Pasuk Yod, it adds that we're not just talking about mikol hashabamayim, but mikol sheretz hamayim, or mikol nefesh achaya. Says the Taisus Yamtiv, Pasuk Tes is talking about fish. Fish, any fish that has scales will automatically have fins, and you will never discover a fish with scales and no fins. Pasuk Yud is not talking about fish. It's talking about Sheretz Hamayim. It's talking about Nefesh Achaya. Right? It's talking about uh, sea lions. It's talking about crocodiles. It's talking about frogs, toads, amphibians, lizards. And it's saying, if you want to be able to eat them, it has to have scales and fins. The Mishnah never said a rule regarding animals of the sea, that any animal of the sea that has scales will automatically have fins. The Mishnah gave a rule regarding fish, that anything that has scales will automatically have fins. The Mishnah's comment was directed at Pasuk Tes. Pasuk Tes is talking about fish. And the Mishnah is saying, even though the Torah says it has to have fins and scales, any fish that has scales will automatically have fins. The Mishnah never meant to comment that in Pasuk Yud, any animal of the sea that has scales will automatically have fins. The Mishnah was merely commenting on <coughs> fish and not creatures of the sea. Okay. Now the pre Chadash, one of the classic commentaries on Shulchan Aruch. The Santikus Marinus is not a fish. Ah, the Santikus Marinus happened to have four legs. Right. So it had scales. It happened to have four legs. So this is not a fish. This is some kind of amphibian, some kind of creature of the sea. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to uh, the creatures of the sea, the rule of the Mishnah that anything that has scales will have fins does not apply. Okay? That was the explanation of the Taisus Yamta. Actually, they pacify exactly fish for this way, for nobody is going to come and question. Yeah. They said, hey, this one, for example, I find it in the ocean. And it's the animal they want to eat. Yeah, so, so that's how he's reading the Mishnah. In other words, he's limiting the Mishnah, he's qualifying yeah. the Mishnah. The Mishnah's rule that whatever has scales has fins is only specifically referring to <laughs> the first pasuk, pasuk test. Fish, animals of the sea, there's no such rule. Okay, so that's how we deal with Satinkus Mari, Mari, Marinus. Okay? Comes along the Prichadash and he rejects both answers of the Taisus Yantav. Answer number one. What was the Tesis Yamtuf's first answer? Huh, the answer is, you know, in the times of the Mishnah, there were no fish that had scales but no fins, but this is some kind of hybrid, right? You know, like, you know, the SUV hybrid? This is a hybrid, right? A cross between, uh, so who knows what? Says the Prichadash, Chas V'Shalom, say something like that. If the Mishnah gives a rule that any fish that has scales will have fins, 
it will last until the end of time. We have no right to say, oh, the Mishnah was only giving a rule for the animals that existed at that time. <coughs> the written law is eternal. The oral law is eternal. And if the Mishnah gives a rule, it has to be a rule that will stand the test of time. And that means even hybrids, even cross-breeded animals, will never, you'll never find an animal that has scales and no fence. Mm-hmm. What about the second answer of the Taisus Yamtif? That maybe this rule only applies to fish and not animals of the sea, says the Prichadosh. It's halachically incorrect. There halachically there is no difference between fish and amphibians, even though, you know, in science, we like to be, we like to distinguish between different, uh, Class. different classes, not in halacha. If the Mishnah says, whatever has, for instance, kol, anything that has scales will have fins, that applies to fish, that applies to anything in the water. And we have no right to start qualifying and saying that this, it only applies to, uh, it only applies to fish and not to, not to animals of the sea. Is he, is he a the Prichadosh? Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any, uh, contemporary, uh, <laughs> that weigh in on this one. <laughs> but, but, but he says something very interesting. He says, I, the, 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 the Yantuk had a question. How could the Torah give us a rule? This is what the Prichadosh says. You know what the Taisus Yantuk should have answered? He should have told the guy, you don't see fins? But the Mishnah says, whatever has scales has fins. So you know what happened? They fell off. And if they didn't fall off, they just didn't grow yet. But if the Mishnah gives a rule that whatever has scales has fins, even if you don't see the fins, you know what you should do? Take the fish out and eat it. But you don't, what do you mean? But it has to have scales and fins. No, it doesn't matter. The Mishnah says if it has scales, it has fins. Ah, but you'll say, but, but why would the Torah allow you to eat something that's poisonous? Says the Prichadash. Arsenic is also kosher, right? It's not, it's not shreif. Why did the Torah say, you know, don't eat arsenic, don't drink Mr. Clean, right? Don't go home and drink uh, rubbing alcohol. The, the Torah knows everything has its purpose. Right? The Torah didn't have to put uh, iser on every plant that's poisonous. The fact that the Mishnah says anything that has scales has fins, the Torah is not trying to make you eat a satinkos marinus. You'll know it's a poisonous fish. You won't eat it. And the reason why it's kosher is perhaps it has certain, uh, you could extract certain chemicals to make medicine, but just because it's kosher, just because it has scales, which automatically means it has fins, that doesn't mean the Torah is giving you something to eat that's uh, harmful. Torah doesn't, just because something is kosher doesn't mean you have to eat it, right? Yeah, poison is right? Just because something has a, a heksher on it, <laughs> if it's not healthy, there's still no mitzvah to eat it. it just, right, a heksher says you can eat it, doesn't mean it's a mitzvah to eat. <laughs> so the same, right? Okay. We still have not explained though, right? We still not, have not explained the answer of the Gemara, okay? Back to the Gemara and this will conclude with this. The Gemara had a question. If anything that has scales has fins, why didn't the Torah just write scales? And I would automatically know fins. What was the Gemara's answer? Yagdil Torah v'yadir. We want to make the Torah big. What's that supposed to mean? We want to make the Torah big. Oh, we want to make... The Magin Avraham wrote a sefer on Chumash. Actually, he wrote a commentary on the Yalkut Shemayim. Okay, the Magin Avram, right? Rabbi Avram, Avram Gambiner, right? The uh, one of the Noisei Kelim on Arachayim. The Magin Avram, he wrote a sefer on Chumash called Zayis Ra'anan. And the Magin Avram says the following: Magin Avram says, if the Mishnah tells us a rule 
that whatever has scales will have fins. This is a halachic rule, which means if you see a fish that has scales, you can eat it, you don't have to check if it has fins. Says the Magin Avram, but what about the fact that the Satinkas Marinas has scales but no fins? Doesn't that contradict the rule? Says the Magin Avram, this is the only exception. But this is not a real exception, you know why? Because the rule was given to man so that man could know what to eat. And if you see a fish with scales, you'll know you're allowed to eat it because you'll know it has fish. But no one is eating the Satinkas Marinas anyway because it's poisonous. And therefore, and therefore, it's not a contradiction to the rule because no one's going to eat it anyway. <coughs> okay, so then the question is, if whatever has scales has fins, why would the Torah write fins? Yagdil Torah v'yadir. Says the Magin Avram. Although we do not find anywhere in Shas that the Gemara ever answers Yagdil Torah v'yadir, we find one instance in Shas where the phraseology, where the term Yagdil Torah v'yadir is used. Rabbi Hananya ben Akasha Oimer. Ratza HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lezakai God wanted to give the Jewish people merit. Lefikach here Balohem Taira Umitzvah. Therefore he gave us a lot of mitzvahs. Shenemar Hashem Chafetz Laman Sidkai. God wanted to make us righteous. Yagdil Taira V'yadir. What does this mean, right? Anytime somebody wants to say a Kaddish, right? It's, you know... It's the, it's the answer to everything. You can always just invoke Rabbi Hanani ben Akash. What does it mean, Says Rashi. There are many things in this world we would not do anyway. Right? No one is gonna eat a cockroach. No one is gonna eat a rat. No one is gonna, right? Nobody's gonna do that. No one's gonna walk down the street and see, you know, a centipede and pick it up and eat it. Right? Almost, almost nobody, right? No one. But Jews not gonna do that. So why did Hashem have to tell us not to eat it. Don't eat the cockroach, right? Don't eat the rat. Don't eat the centipede. Because Hashem knows that even though we're not going to do it, He wanted to give us reward. He wanted to give us a mitzvah. He said, we're not going to kill. But Hashem said, why? Because He wanted to give us reward for not killing. We're not going to steal. But Hashem wanted to give us reward. So He said, He said, God wanted to give us merit. So what did He do? He added many, many mitzvahs that are not necessary and we would have done anyway just for the sake of giving us chach. Says the Magen Avram. You're right. Anything that has scales has fins. And therefore it's really not necessary for the Torah to write fins because if it has scales it will automatically have fins. But you know what? There's, Hashem knows that there's going to be one exception to the rule. 3,000 years down the road, they're going to discover a fish called Satinkus marinas. And the Satinkus marinas will have scales, but no fins. Why are we not going to eat the Satinkus marinas? Well, if we would just rely on the rule of the Mishnah and Nida, why are we not going to eat the Satinkus marinas? Not because it's, it's uh, not kosher, because anything that has scales has fins. You know why we're not going to eat it? Because it's poisonous. So therefore, you know what the Torah said? Hashem said, I don't want you to refrain from eating the Santikas Marinas because it's poisonous. I want to give you a better reason not to eat the Santikas Marinas. You know why? Because it doesn't have sins. Right? So that's the answer of Yagdil Torah V'yadir. In other words, if anything that has scales automatically has fins, so the question is, so let the Torah just say scales, don't, no need to mention fins. You know what the answer is? Because down the road, you're going to discover one fish that has scales, 
and no fins. And now the only reason you're not going to eat it is why? Because it's poisonous. But Hashem says, no. I wrote an extra word in the Torah for the purpose of what? Yagdil Torah V'yadir. I wanted to make, not the Torah bigger. I wanted to give you more mitzvahs. I wanted to give you the opportunity to refrain from doing an Avera. Not because if you eat the Satingas Marinos, that will be the end of you. Right? You'll be three feet under. I wanted to give you, I wrote, I wrote snap here in the Torah to give you a mitzvah that there'll be one fish that otherwise you wouldn't have eaten anyway because it's poisonous. I'm going to give you the simon of fish. Why? To be able to have one more mitzvah in the Torah. Says the Magen Avram, that's what the Gemara means, Yagdil Torah V'yadir. The question is, it's an extra simon because we ain't eating this, we're not eating a fish anyway because either it's poisonous or it's not kosher. The answer is, for the poisonous fish, Hashem wanted to give us a mitzvah reason not to eat it. Okay? And we'll just end with one last point. When it comes to kosher food, not kosher food, right? Rashi tells us at the end of Pasha's Kedoshim, when you're passing by a McDonald's, right? What are you supposed to say? You're supposed to say, oh, I hate the smell of ham and cheese. Oh, I don't like lobster. It's disgusting. No, Rashi says, you shouldn't say, eat, right? Efshi bechazer. Efshi beklayim. Eat, right? You should say, Efshi. I like it. I love the way it smells. I love the way seafood smells. But... In other words, when it comes to refraining from doing Averos, a person shouldn't say, eh, you know, I wouldn't eat treif anyway. Who likes it? It's disgusting, right? It has, you know, chazer. You can get trichinosis or something. I'm not going to eat seafood. I'm going to get a stomachache. No, says Rashi, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to specifically think that the reason why you're refraining from the Avera is because Hashem said so, not because you don't want to do it. Right? That's Lahagdo Taraladir. In other words, Hashem wanted to give us the opportunities, the opportunities to do mitzvahs, and Hashem says, I'm going to tell you not to do something you wouldn't do anyway, and now it's your job to think when you're refraining that the reason you're refraining is out of honor to Hashem. However, does this apply by all Averos? Should a person say, yeah, I would love to, you know, uh, I would love to kill someone. Yeah, but what could I do? Hashem told me not to, right? I would love to punch the guy out, but you know, oh, what could I do? Hashem told me not to do, right? I would love to take revenge against, I would love to pickpocket the guy over there, but you know, what can I do? Torah said not to. <laughs> Who asked, so the Rambam in the Shemayinah Prakam asks, you know, this rule doesn't necessarily always seem to be so logical. When do we say, I would love to eat lobster, but, you know, Hashem told me not to do it. I would love to, uh, to wear shotness, right? Shotness feels really good. I like the way, you know, I like the way it feels on my neck, but Hashem told me not to do it. Which Averos are you supposed to say you would like to do? And which Averos are you supposed to say, even had the Torah not given them, I would not like to do them? What? So the Ramam sets forth the following rule. The Ramam writes in Parak Vav Prakim, this is not an absolute rule. When it comes to mitzvahs that are logical, don't kill, don't steal, don't speak Lashon Hara, don't slander, don't harm your friend, then a person should not say, yeah, I would love to, I would love to knock that guy out, but well, you know, what can I do? The Torah says not to know. Your person shouldn't say that. A person should develop the feeling that whatever the Torah says, this is something that they would like to feel naturally. That's when it comes to what we call mitzvos sichlios. The rule of Yagdil Torah V'yadir that we're saying only applies by those mitzvos 
that are not necessarily something we would come to through our own reason, right? A person would not necessarily think, you know, if they never heard of a Torah, they would not, not necessarily say, you know, shatness, yeah, who would wear shatness, right? No, who would ever think of not wearing shatness? Who would think of not eating pig? Who would think of not eating seafood? So when it comes to chukim, that's when we say a person should think, had Hashem not told this to me, I would do it. I would like to do it. But what can I do? This is the decree of Hashem. When it comes to something that's logical, however, a person shouldn't say, yeah, you know, I would love to do it. For that we say, whatever the Torah tells us, this is something you should try to develop a natural feeling for Rabbi Isai. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.